Well, now this morning, if you would, turn to that passage that uh, Mickey has read for us, that passage in Luke chapter 12. We've been talking about our mission these last couple of weeks. This morning, we're going to resume following the Lord on His mission from Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, if you would uh, turn there, and we're going to follow the King on His mission. Now, this week, I, I read an article that just so gripped my heart and literally just led me to worship. And I wanted to share just a little bit with you this morning. It's about a little girl, young girl, I should say, by the name of Elizabeth. Elizabeth. And here's the story. Elizabeth's story is a profile in Christian courage. She was raised in a small village in Southeast Asia where her parents taught her to trust God for her daily needs and where she dreamed of getting a good education. When she was 16, a relative offered to help her find a high-paying job in another country so that she could help her family and earn money to attend college someday. What Elizabeth did not know, however, was that her relative would betray her into the sex trade. When she reached the border, she was sold into slavery, taken to a house of prostitution, where she was abused by customer after customer. Seven months later, by the mercy of God, investigators from the International Justice Mission found Elizabeth and persuaded the local police to raid that brothel where she was being held against her will. When the rescuers arrived, they found the following words written on the wall of her room. And this is what they found. These words, I want you to see them as they come on the screen. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? A 16-year-old girl trafficked into sex slavery but with the reality of God in her heart with a confidence that he was with her and I want to tell you when I read that yes I was angered aren't you angered by that kind of thing stunned overwhelmed but to worship at the amazing grace of God. How do you possibly explain that kind of courage in a 16-year-old girl? There's only one explanation. That's the grace of the living God. The knowledge of God. Not just the knowledge about God, but the knowledge of God. And that begins with the right kind of fear of God. 
And this morning, that's what I want us to know, that Jesus lived in the right kind of the knowledge and the fear of God. And because of that, in spite of everything that Jesus was experiencing, you know what? Jesus was not afraid. Jesus was not afraid. Now, his disciples needed to remember that they did not need to fear. They need to be reminded about the knowledge of God because they were surrounded. And that's what I want you to see in this passage. As we come here to chapter 12, Jesus was surrounded. We have to remember this as Jesus was going about his ministry, especially after a number of months, his entire ministry, he was surrounded. He was surrounded by sinister men. Look at the two verses in chapter 11, the end of chapter 11, right before chapter 12, where Mickey began the reading this morning. Look at verse 53. It says, And he went away from there, as he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things. And they were lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Now the reason that these scribes and Pharisees were so angry with Jesus was because he had confronted them about the reality of their heart. He had confronted them and these sinister men, wherever he went, they were looking for a way to entrap him. Every time he spoke, they were there. But not only was he surrounded by these sinister men, look at verse 1. He was surrounded by now this surging mob. It's not just a crowd, it is a mob at times that's surrounding Jesus. Verse 1 says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together, they were trampling one another. Now you, you get the scene. Jesus has just come from a dinner party. And uh, he's had a little bit more than just some polite dinner conversation. You might pick that up. He is hated by these sinister men who pose as being religious leaders. They track him everywhere, and now this huge mob is just surging around him all the time, demanding signs and wonders, demanding manna from heaven. And if you're one of Jesus' disciples, how would you feel about this time? <laughs> you might be thinking, what in the world have I gotten myself into? And Jesus felt his disciples' fear. He felt their fear. And so he spoke to them about fear. The right kind of fear and the wrong kind of fear. He did not want his disciples to be afraid. Even though there were sinister men and women around them. Even though there was a surging mob against them. Jesus did not want them to be afraid. And friends, he doesn't want us to be afraid either. 
He doesn't want us to be afraid. And so I want you to notice what he said to the disciples. He said this, and he's saying it to us today by the Holy Spirit through his word. He's saying that we need to beware, and we need to, need to be aware. That's what I want us to think about this morning. To beware and to be aware. Now, first of all, he says, beware of hypocrisy. Beware of hypocrisy. Look at verse 16. He's surrounded by this surging mob. He's surrounded by these sinister men. And he says this, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He tells his disciples, You be careful, you beware of hypocrisy. Now let's stop there for a moment. What's the essence of hypocrisy? What's the essence of hypocrisy? Well, the word hypocrisy or hypocrite comes from the word hypocrites. Hypocrites, and it means literally under a mask. That's what it means, under a mask. Now, why, why the word under a mask? Because in ancient times... The stage actors in the theater would wear a mask as their character and the mask would include sort of like a funnel that would cause their voice to be heard into the upper reaches of the theater. And so they were under the mask. And so the word came to mean in time an actor. An actor, that was a term, a hypocrites. Now here, Jesus is using the word in a spiritual context. In a spiritual context, what does hypocrisy mean? It means religious posturing. <laughs> religious posturing. That is, being like an actor. Acting like something that you really are not in your true character. You're playing a character, but it's not your true character. That is hypocrisy. And notice in Jesus' day, exhibit A of hypocrisy was the Pharisees. They were exhibit A because they were experts at externals. They were experts at externals. They knew how to put on the good show they knew all about religiousness, but their hearts were far from God. They were not filled with the love of God. They were not really filled with the love of God for others. He says, beware. That's what hypocrisy is. He says, you beware of this, wearing the mask, playing a part, and he gives an example. Notice what he says hypocrisy is like. He says, beware of this. He says, it's like what? It's like leaven or yeast. Leaven or yeast. Leaven, of course, as you know, is, it's something that's, that's put into the dough. It's, it's hidden. You don't see it. But it, it slowly permeates through the dough. 
You, you could say it, it finally, slowly infects all the dough. I remember many years ago, during my college years, a couple of summers, when uh, things were slow at the local Chrysler plant where everybody wanted to work and make good money for college, that was not, they were not hiring that time, so only job I could find for a couple of summers was working in a bakery, working in a bakery. Some of you are saying, let me put on my surprise face here, okay? <laughs> so I went to work in this bakery, third shift, get there early, have to get these huge sacks of flour out, pour them into this giant-sized vat, put gallons and gallons of water in there, and half, having done all that and mixing it up with this gigantic mixer, I'd go over and get just a few little sticks of yeast and toss it in. And when that dough was put out, magically, guess what happened? Slowly started to rise, slowly started to rise until the baker came in and you hoped he wasn't hungover, okay? Because a lot of times he was. Some strange-looking bakery products came out of there, I'll tell you that. But he, that dough would just mound up. Now, complete transformation. I don't know how many pounds of flour I would put in, how many gallons of water, but just a few sticks of yeast permeate everything. See, that's what Jesus is warning. He's warning about hypocrisy. Slowly, silently, subtly, it can fill our whole soul. But now Jesus warned something about hypocrisy. He said, this is the example of it. <laughs> he said, this is the essence of it. It's... it's it's hidden, but Jesus said it won't be hidden for long. It won't be hidden for long. It will be exposed. Look at this exposure of hypocrisy. Verses 2 and 3, Jesus said, Nothing is covered up. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whoever... Whatever you've said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, friends, honestly here, these are frightening words, right? These are frightening words. Because hypocrisy, it's hidden to people, but it's not hidden to God. It's not hidden to God. I remember years ago when I was a, a child, there was, there was a, a TV program that had already been on for a long time, and it was called I've Got a Secret. Any of you of a certain age remember that? Okay. I've Got a Secret. And someone would come on, and uh, the, the panelists didn't know anything about him or her, and they could ask some questions until they could figure out what his or her secret was. What really was, I've got a secret. And God's answer to the statement, 
I've got a secret is, no, you don't. You, you don't. You don't have a secret, and it won't be for long. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.24, here's what Paul said to that young pastor Timothy. He said, the sins of some people are very conspicuous. They go right before them. Everyone sees them right into judgment. But the sins of some appear only later. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, about our God. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. To the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now Jesus says hypocrisy is subtle and it's so deceptive, so we've got to look out for it. We've got to look out for hypocrisy. We, we've got to make sure we do examination for hypocrisy. Notice what he says. Look at verse, verse 1 again, the last part. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Because he says beware here, he's saying be alert. Be on guard. Beware of it. Now, where do you look for hypocrisy? Where do you look for it? Some people say, well, you look in the church. And please, don't look around right now. <laughs> don't. Yeah, you look in the church. Because lots of people say, oh, I, you know, I don't, that church is just full of hypocrites. Full of hypocrites in those churches. And I like what one man said, well, one more won't hurt. Come on. <laughs> join, join the convention. Where do you look for a hypocrite? You know where we need to look first? We need to look in the mirror. We need to look in the mirror. Because all of us, all of us, Deal with this in our hearts. All of us have this infection in our hearts to posture, to look like something that we're not. Oh yes, sometimes we, we refer to it as self-esteem, self-worth. Doesn't seem to be the word the Lord uses. Even the Apostle Paul, as he's giving that spiritual autobiography of his own heart in Romans 7. He says, the things that I ought to do, I don't do. And the things that I, sh that I shouldn't do, I do. He says, I, I have this struggle within me, this, this, this force within me. The things that I ought to do, I don't. The things I should do, I, I shouldn't do, I do. What? He says, who, who can deliver me from this? I'm, I'm grateful Thought goes right on into Romans 8, right? I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, there is no condemnation now to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
How do we look out? How do we beware of hypocrisy? Well, we've got to look in our own mirror, and then, friends, we need to regularly look into the mirror of the Word of God. See, friends, listen carefully. There's always all the difference in the world between reading your Bible and let your Bible read you. All too often, we just want to do our chapter, our verse, our devotion. But friends, the most important reading you do of the Bible is letting the Bible read you. Let God read the Bible into your heart. And yes, he will he'll read a sentence of love and compassion and grace and his mercy. He'll read that to you. It'll be a lullaby of love. But sometimes... He will talk very straight to you. We got to look in the mirror of the Word and let the Bible read us. And then what do you do? Where do you look? When you, when you look in your heart and you know you're not all that you ought to be. And when you look in the Word of God and you see how much you fall short of God's expectations, let alone of your own expectations, where do you look? When you know that you're not all you ought to be, that hypocrisy is at work, where do you look, friends? There's only one way to look and only one place to look, and that's to look to Christ and His cross. Because Jesus died for hypocrites. He shed His blood for those who do not live up to God's standards, those who are not all they want to be or say they are you look to Christ thank God I love that words of that old spiritual we don't sing it much anymore maybe you've heard it Lord I want to be a Christian what in my heart in my heart Lord I want to be a Christian in my heart Lord, I want to be more loving in my heart. In my heart. Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart. Friends, when we go to the Lord with the, the desires of our heart, we go to Him, pour out our heart before Him. The Bible says, that God is gracious and merciful and the blood of Christ is applied and we are accepted. You know, this morning we have the opportunity for communion. Why are we given communion Why? by Jesus? What's it all about? Is it, is it some way that we just go through religious observance? Is it some way that we... we, we are participating in some kind of sacrament so called what did Jesus say it's all about he said remember me remember me my body my blood remember me friends this is a great moment this morning to deal with hypocrisy <laughs> to examine ourselves and come to grips with it and come to the Lord's amazing grace and the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God that cleanses from what? All sin. 
Now, Jesus warned about hypocrisy. He said, be afraid of it. Why should we be afraid of it? Because of the person, he says, that will deal with hypocrites. He says, beware of hypocrisy. And then he says, here's the other thing to beware. He says, beware of his majesty. (laughs) Beware of his majesty. Jesus was evidently sensing that his disciples were fearful. They were surrounded by these sinister men. They're surrounded by this surging mob. And, And he feels their fear. And so what does Jesus do? He addresses their fear. He says, let me tell you about fear. There is the wrong kind of fear and there is the right kind of fear. There's a wrong kind of fear. And there's the right kind of fear. Now Jesus, notice here, he tells his disciples, he tells us, whom not to fear. Whom not to fear. Verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not fear. And it's literally, stop fearing. Those who kill, may kill the body, but after that, they have nothing more that they can do. What's he saying? He says, yes, look around you. Those sinister religious leaders. Yes, look around this mob. Look at those soldiers of the Roman government. It's scary. But he said, listen, you see these people of power? You see these people of power that encircle us? He says, remember, their power is limited and their power is temporary. Their power is limited and their power is temporary. They only have the temporary power of physical death. Only the temporary power of physical death. Several years ago, I was reading about a leader of the the Christians in Romania. This was back during the terrible dictatorship of Ceausescu. There was a man by the name of Joseph. He was a fervent pastor, preacher. He was writing books and they were being printed and by hidden presses, disseminated all over that country under dictatorial rule. And the authorities, they knew what Joseph was up to. And they fined him. That didn't stop him. They took him to jail. That didn't stop him. They took him to prison. Spent some time there. That didn't stop him. They beat him up. That didn't stop him. And finally they said to Joseph, they said, if you don't stop this, we're going to kill you. And here's what Joseph said. He said, I warn you. I warn you. If you use your greatest weapon of killing, I will, be, I will be required to use my greatest weapon of dying. 
And they said, let him go. The man's crazy. (laughs) Do you know what he meant by that? He was telling them, you can kill me. You can take my body. You can kill me. But you'll just sprinkle my blood over the word of God. You'll sprinkle my blood upon the testimony of the gospel. You use your greatest weapon. I'll use mine. What are you going to do with somebody like that? What are you going to do with a Christian who looks like around at a world gone crazy where right is wrong and wrong is right? What are you going to do with a Christian who says... Cancel culture. You can't cancel the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't cancel my testimony. You can put me in jail, but the word of God is not bound. You can do what you want. But you won't stop my God. Your power is limited and temporary. And Jesus said, don't don't fear people who have only the limited and temporary power of physical death. He said, let me tell you whom to fear. This is the right kind of fear. He said, this is whom you should fear. Verse 5. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. This is the real Jesus. This is the real Jesus, not the candy-coated Jesus that is so often distributed in this world. This is the real Jesus. He said, I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, he says it again. I tell you, fear him. That's a startling statement, isn't it? That's sobering words spoken by the Son of God. He says, here's who to fear. Fear the one who has not just the power over physical death, but he also has the power, the eternal power of spiritual death. My friends, listen carefully. Jesus was not joking. Some people say hell is a joke. Hell is no joke. Jesus believed in hell. Some people say, I don't believe in hell. Well, Jesus believed in it. He believed in it so much, he warned people of hell. And he warned them to not rebel against the one who could send them there. He said, there is one who having killed the body is also able to cast that person into hell. My friends, the Bible refers to this as the second death. 
It's the eternal death. It's the eternal separation from God. It is to be cast out of the presence of God. Cast into everlasting darkness. Everlasting torment. Forever and ever to be separated from God and the glory of His grace. Hebrews 10.31 says this, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, why did Jesus make that warning? Because inherent, inherent in Jesus' warning is also wisdom. There's wisdom. He is saying, fear him. Fear the one who can do this. And he's speaking about God. You that are living in hypocrisy, you don't want to truly know him. You want to only go through the motions. He says, you need to be very afraid. But here's the hope. If we do fear Him, if we do fear Him, if we fear Him, then listen carefully, we don't have to be afraid. You heard that right. If you fear God, you don't have to be afraid. It's said of the great Scottish reformer, John Knox, He feared man so little because he feared God so much. Why do we not have to be afraid? Church, listen to this. The hands of the living God are the hands of the loving God. The hands of the living God are the hands of the loving God. And we need, as his disciples... To be aware of that. Okay? Beware. Beware of hypocrisy. Beware of hypocrisy because of His majesty, God Almighty. But if you will humble yourself, if you will humble him yourself and become a follower of this God who loved you so much that He sent His Son, if you will do that, then you will be aware of His mercy. And notice how Jesus describes this. He's just described the one who can send hypocrites into hell. And then Jesus says this. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And you got to imagine the crowd going, what? We've gone from the flames of hell to sparrows? Listen to him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. He's speaking to his disciples. Those who are encircled by the enemies. Those who have people of power that hate them. He says, the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, fear not. You are of more value 
than many sparrows. <laughs> What's Jesus saying here? Let's, how do we wrap it up? Jesus is saying, you are known as one of my followers. You are known, you are valued, you are loved. That's what he's saying. You are known, you are valued, you are loved. And he gives two examples. He says, look at the sparrows over your head. <laughs> Martin Luther, another great reformer, he said, the sparrows are our professors. <laughs> they are doctors of theology. They teach us about the love of our Heavenly Father. He says, consider the sparrows over your head. Though they seem to have no, such little value to human beings, there's such a little value in this world system, they're quite valuable to God. And then he says, as he's thinking about looking up over your head, he says, well, just look on your head. The hairs on your head. He said, well, even the hairs on your head are numbered. I, I thought this was interesting. The average person has a, about 100,000 hairs on their head. That's average. Some of us are pulling that down just a little bit. Okay. What's Jesus' point? We as his disciples, we as his disciples, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear because we are individually known and we're individually treasured. The one who knows the sparrows and the one who knows how to take care of them is the one who knows you so well, he knows the very number of hairs on your head, you are known and you are valued. That's what Jesus says about his heavenly father. My friends, listen. The birds over our heads, they are, they are our teachers. Be very careful about saying something about someone being bird-brained. Some of us would have to rise to reach that level. Jesus says, the birds over our heads, they're our teachers. He says, the hairs on our head are the lesson. And he says, the peace in our hearts is the knowledge. Fear not. Fear not. Do not for a moment believe you're not known. Don't for a moment believe that you're not valued. No matter the power, the people of power that may encircle you, no matter how powerful, how sinister, as my followers, you belong to God. You are known. You are valued. You are loved. How do you know that? 
when you don't feel known and you don't feel valued. How do you know that? When you don't feel like God is even in your universe and you don't sense that your life matters at all to God. You wouldn't even think that you measure up to a pawn on the cosmic chessboard. How do you know that you're known? And how do you know that you're valued by this awesome God? My friends, listen to this. Never forget, the hands of the living God are the hands of the loving God. And God's hands are nail-scarred. God Almighty has scars in His hands. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And He took the spikes of the punishment of sin that we deserve in His hands, in His feet, the crown of scorn on the brow of the one who created all things. A spear in the side of the heart of the one who created all things beautiful. Our God's hands are nail scarred. And don't ever forget that's where you know you're loved, you're valued, you matter. It's because of the nail-scarred hands of God in Christ.